Hallelujah. Blessing and honor is yours. Greater blessing is coming. Greater honor is coming from God. Thank you, Father, that you're here in the house. Thank you, Father, that you watch over us. You watch over us to perform your word. And Father, we need to hear from you. We need to be changed by you. And Father, we just know you are determined to do that. You're determined, Lord, to not leave anyone the same here. You're determined that each person here is going to go out of here changed a little. Healed a little. Strengthened a little. Lord, you're a miracle-working God. Do miracles in this place today. In my heart, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Martin. Hallelujah. I just want to read a verse before I start today. One verse to start. And then I'm going to move around. But this verse grabbed me. It's when Jeremiah, who was a prophet and a preacher, was told to stop preaching. And he basically said, I can't. And in, and in Jeremiah 23, he said, He who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord? And like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. Uh, this is what the Word of God is. And this is why we need the Word of God. And I, I really believe that God is saying that there are many, many believers today. There are many, many people who today are being diverted from God's Word. Many, many people are being diverted away from reading, from meditating, from getting the Word of God in you. It's no use you being in the Word. The Word's got to be in you because there is power in the Word. And Jeremiah said, the Word was fire in my bones. You know, you want to talk about being a, a Christian who's on fire by God. That doesn't come to experience. Yes, we get baptized with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is like a fire that's kindled, and every fire that is kindled needs wood to keep it burning. The wood that keeps the fire of Pentecost burning is the Word of God. The Word and Spirit must always go together. And so God will set us on fire at Pentecost, but we have to keep feeding the flame with the Word of God. And that's why uh, when John and James were walking on the road to Emmaus, and they were depressed and walking out of their destiny, Jesus came to them and he opened the scriptures. And when he opened the scriptures, they said, did not a fire burn in our hearts? And so it's so important today because God is looking for Christians that are on fire. That is what a believer is supposed to be. We are a Pentecostal church and God wants us to be on fire. Fire doesn't, not, not emotion, it just means there's a heart, there's a fire in your heart burning for Jesus. 
And this is what real evangelism is. Evangelism is not just tracks. It's like, I'm so on fire for Jesus. There's something happening in my heart. When I come near somebody who's not a believer, the fire gets off me, it gets on them, and they become a believer. But that fire comes through the Spirit, but it also is the Word. The Word of God is the fire. And, and, and Jeremiah said, it's a fire in my bones. And he said, it's also a hammer. It's a hammer. It's powerful. It destroys rocks. That's what hammer is, the rocks of unbelief. And I, I just believe God wants me to speak clearly today on the necessity of being a word believer. Of being somebody who knows you. You know, it's, you need to have the word in you every day. But by the way, the, the Bible doesn't say you've got to read the Bible in a year. <laughs> you know, some people, they're saying, I'm going through the Bible, reading in a year, and, and you kind of feel guilty. You don't have to read the Bible in a year, but you do have to read it. And you have to read it. And often it's just, it's, it's, it's so powerful just to take a verse every day and meditate it. But you need to get the word in you. And this is what the, this is what the word of God says in Psalm 33. Psalm 33 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. 2 Peter says, it, 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 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 5 fills that out, and he says, In the beginning God created the, wor the world through the word. We know that God spoke the word, and the world came into existence. Everything that's created, everything that is, was created by the word of God. And then he says, Everything that... The whole creation is still being sustained by the Word of God. And then when God abolishes the world, it'll be by the Word of God. So we actually have to understand how powerful is the Word of God. How powerful. Everything that is here that we see came about by God's Word. And it's being sustained by what God spoke, His Word. Now, why it's important, I'm going to read something from uh, Matthew chapter 7. And this is really important for what's coming. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This is really important. This is really because everyone here is a builder. You know, everyone here, you're building your life. Everyone here is building your life. You're building your family. You're building your future. Some people are building their business. And this is a passage about builders, building and storms. And one guy built in a way when, when the storm arrived, he survived it. He was fine. And another guy built in a way that when the storm came, it is, he was destroyed. And there's a few things we need to, to see here. The difference between the two. The guy who survived and the guy destroyed is the foundation. And storms in life 
are inevitable. But the wise guy knows that storms are inevitable. And you know what the sign of a fool? They don't anticipate storms. They have this like blue sky optimism about life that everything's always going to be good and it's a naivety and they don't anticipate that someday your world is going to be rocked and the fool just lives carelessly. He doesn't anticipate it. But I tell you, one day everybody is going to come into a place where you have heartache, you have trouble, you have, maybe it's, it's through world circuit, family circuit, but someday you're going to come, your world is going to be rocked. And some people, they are destroyed in that rocking. Because, they say, it says here, their foundation was not laid properly. And you know, it says here, that when, when, when the storm comes, it's too late to lay the foundation when the storm comes. You've got to have your foundation laid before the storm comes. And how do you lay a foundation that is going to survive the storm? Fool says, I just live any old way. I live according to how the culture says. I, I live according to how popular opinion is, what people is. I'm swayed around. But he says, the wise builder builds. Hears these sayings of mine and does them. The foolish guy hears the sayings and simply doesn't do them. And, you know, that's, that's so important because, you know, you can come into church and you can be what I call a sermon sipper every Sunday. You can come out here and hear a lovely word that motivates you, but you will go away on Monday and you live according to the world. And James says in chapter 1, he says, be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what he's like. In other words, it's a madness to hear, to hear, what you, to hear the word of God and not do it. But I've seen plenty of people live like that. In all the years of men in ministry, I've seen plenty of people hear sermons on forgiveness but don't think they've got to forgive. Plenty of sermons on honoring your parents but think their circumstances mean they don't have to do it. But the guy who actually is going to survive is the guy who actually hears the Word of God. He hears it proclaimed in a sermon or he hears the Holy Spirit speak it to him and he does it. And to, and to, to be practical, that, that, what, what that means is that you are somebody, if you're going to survive, you're someone who actually... Before the storm comes, you are putting the word into practice in your life. So you say, this word determines how I conduct my relationships. This word determines how I live morally. This word determines how I use my finance, how I conduct my finances. This word determines how I conduct myself in my marriage. This word determines how I raise my children. And when I live... Under this word and a doer of the word, I'll never be rocked. You know when you live like that, you live on the word, the storms will come, but you have an undefeatable life. And that's so important in the shaking that is coming. God's people are promised that we be unshakable, but only if you're a doer of the word. But there will be a people who are unrockable or unshakable because God will make them that based on their attitude to the word. This book is unlike any other book. It has so much potential. You know, when you, when you actually understand the power of this book, you can do everything God says you can do, only through this book. 
Everything God says, you can do it through this book. And it, it, it is just so important. You know, you, people think they need all these experiences to change your life. But what it is, when you actually, when the word comes week after week into a believing heart, the Bible says in Matthew 13, the word is seed, isn't it? Now, seed has life in it. So when you simply get the word in you, your life is being transformed. You're getting freer just by the, 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 the because the seed has the life in it. The life of Jesus will be produced in you just through this book. It can transform your life. And I've, I've often marveled how some people will say to me, uh, they've been believers for a long time, and they've said, I don't understand the presence of God. I don't, I don't have a, that, that feeling of the presence of God. And the, the presence of God is tangible. It's, it's a tangible. It's the Holy Spirit. And we ought to have times where we say, I just had a meeting with God. But you know, you know who God, the basis on which God's presence comes to you when you can actually say, aha, no, I know God is with me. I know he's in my home. The basis is the word. Listen, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we, this is so beautiful, both God and Jesus will come to him and make our home with him. If anyone loves me and keeps my word. Why do they come? How do they come? Through the word. The presence of God comes to our life through our attitude to the word. God knows who wants to honor the word, who wants to live under the word. And he says, that's the one who, it's so beautiful, both the Father and the Son are going to come through the Word. Word of God it says in Psalm 107, verse 20, people were in, and this is the basis of all real healing. Psalm 107, verse 20, some of us know this really well. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, Because of their transgressions and their iniquity, they got afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They drew near to the gates of death. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them. How? He sent his word and healed them. He delivered them from their destructions. So it was the word. And some people say, well, you know, that's spiritual healing. You can't say spiritual healing when you read Proverbs 4 because Proverbs 4, verse 20 says, Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eye. Let, keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those to, to find them and health to all their flesh. Not their spirit, their flesh. So when you simply read this book, book when you simply sit under this word and daily you take a little bit into you all areas of your life are being healed it, it is so powerful because you know Jenny was with me in uh, in Pakistan and I got struck down and I the first day now I'm I say this modestly I'm the key person I'm the preacher and we've got all these crusades line up and I was sick. I was up all night vomiting. And you've heard of Delhi Belly. I had the Pakistan equivalent. And it was really, 
it was really bad. And I was thinking there like, oh my goodness, how's this all going to work? And, and uh, I was thinking, who am I going to send out? Who can do these meetings? How did God heal me? That day I preached. That day in the morning I wake up thinking, I can't do it. I even said to the pastor, I don't think I can do it today. This is what happened. God spoke to me through the word of God. He said this, blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He'll be blessed on the earth. The Lord will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. He will sustain him on his sick bed. And I said, that's me because I've considered the poor. But I'm telling you, as soon as that word came to me, it, it came in, immediately. My body started to get stronger. I wasn't immediately healed, but just bit by bit by bit by bit, because that word, that word is so powerful. It's the same word that when it was spoken into the darkness and chaos in creation, that word came in and brought light and order. It does that in your body. It is powerful. It is powerful. But here it is. We must not only know that the Word of God was powerful in creation, what it's doing, sustaining. We, as God's people, must know how to activate the Word. You must know how to activate the Word so that its power comes into your life. By the way, if you want to be someone who... People are happy to see. The Word of God says, Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. Think about it. Who are you glad to see? They're people who actually believe and always hope in the Word of God. And they've got a testimony and they've got a word for you. And they're not people who are just social people. You want to be someone who people are happy when they come into the, the room? Be someone who's believed over the years and trusted and tested God and hoped in the word and have a testimony and can strengthen somebody else who's going through something. Same scripture says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. The word in our heart keeps us morally strong and living to according to that word. But I go back to Psalm, 103, Psalm, Psalm 30. 33, and it says this, it says, By the word the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of their mouth. Now, you see, the power of God's word is activated by two ways. Even in God, when he created the world, when God created the world, the Bible says there was darkness and chaos, and the spirit was hovering, and God spoke. And here it's saying the same thing. The word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Because if you're going to speak out of your mouth, you can't speak out of your mouth without breath being involved. And the word breath here is the word, Hebrew word for ruah and spirit. So God speaks and he creates by the combination of the word of God being declared in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we are going to see God's word become active in our life, we have to understand the place of the Holy Spirit. It's God's word. It's God's word that he gives to us, which is powerful. And it says in Isaiah 55, For as the rain comes down from the snow from heaven, doesn't return there, but waters the earth and brings forth its bud, 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the things which I sent it. That means it is a word that is, comes from the mouth of God. It's not just a dead letter. It's not scripture. It is a quickened word. It is a spirit-breathed word from God, and it contains power. It contains power. Now, this is what God wants us to see. In the last days, it actually says that all these things will happen in the world. There'll be wars, rumors, wars. But he said, one of the things that will happen in the end, this gospel, the same time that's happening, will be proclaimed to all the nations as a witness. In all the earth to the nations as a witness. And that word proclaimed is really important to understand because in the church today, there's a lot of explaining, a lot of teaching, but not a heck of a lot of proclaiming. Proclaiming is, it comes from a word in the, in the, in the days of Jesus, they used to have, and, and before that, they used to have wars, and before wars would, would come, or, or even in times where situations were controversial, the king would send a herald. And a herald would turn up either at a battle or he'd turn up at a, some sort of conflict and he would make a decree of what the king said. And he would decree, this is the authoritative word of the king into this situation. And that word was final. That's what it is to proclaim. And God wants us to know it's through proclaiming his word in faith, boldly, that his power and authority are released. And so many people don't understand the power of proclamation. And a great example, you see, just to, 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 to give an understanding, look at Moses. When Moses was called of God, he was, he was proud and God put him in the wilderness for 40 years. And he came out of the wilderness and then God said, I have a job for you to do. And he said, the job for you to do is to bring Israel out of Egypt, uh, out of it's an impossible job, but they were enslaved by the superpower of the day. But he said, I'm going to use you to bring them out and then bring them into the promised land, which I've prepared for them. He calls Moses. And what does he give Moses? To accomplish all of that, what does he give him? I'll tell you what he gave him. He gave him a rod. And it was on the basis of that rod alone. The only instrument God gave him to do all of that was a rod. And when he got that rod, he threw it on the ground. And it turned into a snake and he became afraid. And God said, pick it up. So he picked it up by the tail. And then it, 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 was, it became a rod again. And he took this rod. And he took it into Pharaoh. And he said to Pharaoh, you know, the Nile is going to turn into blood. And people said, that's unlikely. But when he raised his rod, the Nile became blood. He went into Pharaoh again and he said, there's going to be a plague of frogs. And Aaron this time had the, the rod. And he raised the rod, and when he raised the rod, frogs came out of the, uh, of the sea, and all the judgments of God came upon Egypt. And through those judgments, 
Through those judgments, Israel was released and got free. So he was executing judgments of God by the use of his rod. And not only did they get free, completely free, on the basis of one rod alone, is that when the Egyptians tried to pursue them and destroy them, the, the entire Egyptian army was destroyed through that rod. Because at the Red Sea, Moses started crying out to God, saying, we're about to be destroyed. And God wasn't happy with his, plan, with his praying. Because God said to him, Moses, what's in your hand? And he goes, I'm a rod. And when he reached out and stretched out that rod, God's power and his authority was activated. God got in behind Israel. He destroyed the Egyptians and he opened a way for them to go miraculously through. And they got complete victory. All their enemies was destroyed on the basis of that rod. That rod was used to execute judgment on Egypt to bring them out. That rod was used to destroy every power and enemy that came upon them and give them complete victory. It was the rod. What I'm saying today, God has given you a rod. What is the rod? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. But many believers are like Moses at the Red Sea. They're crying out to God saying, help me. And God is saying, use a rod. I give you a power. I give authority. It comes through the rod. All we need, to, as I said at the start, to accomplish all God calls us to be is this book, which is God's rod. All Moses had was one instrument, that rod, and all we need is this book because it's our rod. You don't need a lot of other things. You just need this book. It is powerful. But you know what you need to make this book activated, to make this book become a rod. The Word of God to become effective and bring victory into your battles, bring God's authority and power into your life. You may need deliverance from something, some ongoing sin. How does the Word of God bring me out like it did to the Egyptians, or the Israel from Egypt? You may have a power that's trying to destroy your family or your life. How do I activate God's power through the Word to do for me what it did for Moses? There's three things. Firstly, this book is not a common book. I'm surprised how some Christians speak about it. It's like it's a newspaper. It's not a book. It's not a, it's the Word of God. It's a living book. It's a supernatural book. And when Moses was given that rod, first of all, God made him throw it on the ground. It turned into a snake and he was afraid. You have to be afraid. You have to reverence. Speaking about the fear of God means reverence. You have to be in awe of this book. You have to revere this book. You have to understand it is dynamite. It can do anything God can do. 
Jesus is the word become flesh. Why is it important that you actually have the attitude of this book that it is absolutely awesome? Because this is what, this is what if you have a common attitude to the word of God, it's not good. This is what God says in Isaiah 66. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of the rest for all the things my hand has made? In other words, God says, I don't need your buildings. I own everything. For all these things my hand has made and all these things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look. On him who is poor and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. You, you got to tremble at this book. Uh, it doesn't mean be afraid. It means to be in awe of its power. It is seed to change my life. It is health to my flesh. It is the thing that makes God come to my house and my life and his, for his presence to be in my life. I hide this in my heart and I will not sin. It's the thing that makes people glad to see me. You, you, you gotta, you've got to understand. This is an awesome book. So for Moses, he had to, he had to, to tremble at this book. He was made, God made him be afraid of it. He picked it up, became a snake. So you've got to fear it. Secondly, what did he have to do to that, st that rod? He had to lay hold of it. So you've got to fear it, and then you've got to lay hold of this Word of God. You've actually got to get, get a grip of it. How do you do that? Well, you've actually got to get it in you. You've got to read it. You've got to meditate this book. You've got to get a hold of it. You've got to get a hold of what it says. You've got to get a hold of the promises God has made to us. We actually have to get a hold of the Word. And the only way we get a hold of it is by reading it, is by meditating it. You know, as I said earlier, you don't have to read great chunks all the time. But you do have to take it in. You have to take it in daily as medicine. You've got to take it in daily into your body. And you've got to meditate on it so that it gets into your heart. And then... Once we actually know the Word of God, we know its power. We, Moses had to release the authority and power. He had to stretch it out and release the power. How we do that is through our decrees. By opening your mouth and declaring what God says into circumstances, what God says into nations, what God says to the doctor, what God says into your finances. We actually activate the power like that herald. We turn up at battles, we turn up in controversial circumstances, and we decree what the King of Heaven has said and say, that is the final word. Listen to Psalm 149, it says this, let the high praise of God be in their mouth and two-edged sword in their hand. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the written judgment. This honor have 
all the saints. This honor have all the saints. So God has given you, you know, you've got to say, are you a saint? You're a saint. All of us are saints. And God has given us the honor of executing vengeance on the nations which are antichrist, on the nations which are against God. And the Bible says that we execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. Now, this, this speaks about uh, the, the judgments that we execute is there in verse 9. They're not our judgments. To execute on them the written judgment. So what is the written judgment? It's the Word of God. The end of the world, Jesus says, I won't judge the world. The Word will judge them. But these are the written judgments. And it's our honor. It's our privilege that not many Christians understand. It's our privilege to execute judgment. And the judgments are the written decrees of God. And we are to be people. When circumstances are, the enemy is trying to, to weaken your health. The enemy is trying to wreck your family. We are to be people who turn up with the decree of God like that herald and declare it. And as we do, we execute judgments on the power of evil. For instance, you may be in a doctor's and the doctor says to you, I don't think there's much hope for you and you might die. To execute the written judgments is to get out Psalm 118 verse 17 and say, I decree I shall live and not die and declare the works of God. When we actually execute that judgment, we are lifting up our staff. When we actually decree that, we are releasing the power in God's word. But it must be declared and released. It must be proclaimed, not just explained. You know, you may go, maybe you lose a job or someone may say to you, well, because of this circumstances, we're going to go broke. So when you pull out 2 Corinthians 9.8 and you proclaim, what does 2 Corinthians 9.8 say? In all things, in all circumstances, the exact wording is this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You know, someone might say to you that uh, your, your children are permanently lost. You actually say and proclaim no salvation according to the word of God. In Acts chapter 10, salvation is for me and my household. When we actually proclaim that, we are lifting up our rod. Someone may be gossiping and saying all sorts of nonsense and, and basically cursing you with their mouth. And saying, this is, you know, you're going to be destroyed or you're going to be this. This is where you actually pick up the word of God and say, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This word is not just to be known in your head. God wants us to proclaim it into our circumstances and situations. God spoke the word into existence. And when a spirit-filled person starts proclaiming what God says, proclaiming what God says, not circumstances say, when a spirit-filled person starts speaking what the Holy Spirit is saying into a situation, power is released. 
God's supernatural power, the same power that brought the world in creation, is released in our circumstances. And it's so important that we be people who not only know the Word of God, who proclaim the Word of God. Life and death is indeed in the power of the tongue. And I just was reminded this morning when I was thinking about this message. You know, Joshua had a, had a destiny. Had a destiny in God. We have a destiny. We've got callings. We have purposes. They're individual for each of us. At the very least, we are called to walk into the righteousness of Christ. But there are Jerichos. There are things that stand in our way that oppose us. And Jericho, and Joshua was called to go and take the promised land, but there was a giant, a Jericho, in front of him. What did God give him to take down that Jericho? That he would keep moving, he would get past the obstacle, he would keep moving into his destiny. God met him in, in, in Joshua chapter 5. God meets him, he falls on his face, and God gives him a word. He says to him, the word of God, Jericho is yours. And he gives him a, a ridiculous instruction. He says, you've got to march around there in total 13 times. And so all Joshua has is a word from God. The walls are still there. The people on the walls are mocking him. He's walking around six days. And the last day he walks around seven times mocking him. And it's really interesting. He says to his people, until the last day, you're not to say one word. Because there is power in the tongue, in the proclamation. He said, but on the last day, he said, what we're going to do, we are just going to shout in agreement with what God has said. And when they shouted in agreement, God said, these walls come down. When they proclaimed God's words against those walls, it wasn't sound waves that destroyed it. As God's power came in through the power of proclamation. And those walls crumbled. All they did was praise and proclaim. And that's why, you know, it's so important if you're weak, if you're feeling weak, and you've got challenges, you don't say, I'm weak. We take the word of God and we proclaim, through Christ I can do all things. Christ who strengthens me, I can do all things. When you feel under attack, you don't say, this is, this is terrible. I feel attacked. This is, this. You say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you proclaim it. And you know what it takes to be a proclaimer? Some people don't want to proclaim the word of God through fear of man. They don't want to look out of place. They want to look all polite and put together. But I tell you what, you need boldness to proclaim the word of God. You need boldness to actually speak what God says. You know, someone may be putting you down and mocking you about how your appearance is. You've got to proclaim, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And when we proclaim it, the authority and the power of God's word is released in our circumstances. But this word is so powerful. It is so powerful. We need to tremble at its potential. And in this day and age, your life needs to be built upon it by obeying it so that you survive every storm. 
but we also need to lay hold of it by meditating it and getting it into our hearts so that when those challenges come, God can quicken it to us in our spirit. And when we speak that quickened word, I want to tell you the power of God's word in a spirit-filled person, it's all through the scriptures. I'll finish by taking us to Ezekiel 37. This is what I believe is going to happen to the end time church. You know, there's been so much uh, seeker stuff in the church where we don't want to offend God and we just want to explain and we, want, we don't want to offend anybody as, uh, at all. And so the church just got, in the Western world has got weaker and weaker and weaker. But this is what God said. He said, there's going to be an end time army that gets raised up. And God took Ezekiel to this graveyard of bones to demonstrate a principle. And he said, can these bones live? And, and, he's, and Ezekiel answered in chapter 3, sorry, verse 3 of chapter 37, only you know. God said to me, prophesy to these bones. And he said to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I'll cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I'll put sinews on you and being flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, which means declared an authoritative declaration of God's word was made. I, connect, I commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, I looked at the sinews and flesh came upon them. So flesh came upon them when the word was declared. And the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy to them. This is the ruler, this is the spirit. And say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come in the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them or spirit came into them and they lived and stood upon them, their feet, an exceedingly great army. What is that? It's a picture of a church which has become dry, which has become weak, which doesn't know its power anymore, but is completely, and it's like it's dead and dry. It's just bones, which is the picture of much of the Western church today. It's just bones. And the way God turns that bony, lifeless bunch of bones into a mighty army is through two things. The proclamation of God's word done in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is the declaration of the word and there is the ruah, the wind, the breath, breathe on them. And when the, when the word is declared in the power of the Holy Spirit, when God's word is simply proclaimed, this is what God says, and it's declared in the power of the Holy Spirit, suddenly everything that is dry and dead starts to rise up again. First it gets, it gets flesh on it, then it starts to come together, but it is always by the combination of the word of God and the spirit of God. That's what I believe God's going to do in these last days. When you declare that word, this is what it says at the start, you have got a problem. You are under attack. Maybe it's sickness that's attacking you. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a whatever, relational situation. And the Holy Spirit quickens the Word of God to you. You've been reading the Word of God. It's in there. It's, it's, it's the foundation. You've laid hold of it. And the Holy Spirit just quickens the verse that's relevant to you. 
when you proclaim it, when you proclaim that word, Jeremiah says, your, my, your word is like a fire in me and a hammer. It is a hammer. It goes forth when you spirit-filled man declares what God says. No weapon formed against me. The word goes out like a hammer and destroys everything that's trying to destroy you. It is so powerful when we proclaim God's words into our circumstances. You know, you may feel like I'm a negative person. I grow up and I have no purpose. You just try this every morning. Get this word in you. Jeremiah 29. God has a plan for me. Not to do me harm or evil, but to do me good. He's a plan to prosper me and not harm. You just start to declare, God has a plan. God thinks over me. God has a plan to prosper me. And you speak that over your life for a month. I want to tell you, you'll go from a negative person to a positive person. That's how powerful God's word is. It is a hammer against those negative thoughts. It is a hammer when we declare what heaven says and not what we're feeling. It is a fire and it is a hammer. But it needs to be proclaimed. It doesn't just need to be thought about, meditated on. God spoke the world into existence. We are made in His image. The power and life and death is in the tongue. And our tongue needs to speak in agreement with heaven and not our circumstances, not the world, not popular opinion. And when we do, God's power is released. So there's a long sermon on the Word of God. I could keep going because it's, it's almost inexhaustible. You know, it is, a, it, it, it is a fire, Jeremiah says to summarize. You know, we get the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but the Word is wood, it is kindling to keep that fire burning. It is the fire. So we are a, a, a on fire Christians. Only the Word of God does that. It is a thing that brings God's presence. You know, he who does my word, Jesus says, me and the Father will come to him. God's presence in your life. God to come and visit you in the morning. You want God to come and give you dreams at night. God to visit you and give you a promise. He visits the one who does the word, who trembles at the word, who reveres the word. You want to be healed every year. You, maybe you've been abused in the past. Maybe you've, these things have happened to you. People say, well, you've got to have all these experience. I want to tell you, you read this book every day. It's a supernatural book. It is health to my flesh. I sent forth my word and healed them. It is powerful to heal you. You say, I've got a problem with lust or whatever. I hid the word in my heart that I would not sin. It is able to make you walk in white. You know, you walk in a room, you, 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 maybe you're one of those people everyone avoids. <laughs> there are people like that. The Bible says, I was glad when I saw this person because this person hoped in the word. They always had a scripture for me. They always had what God was saying about circumstances. They're the people you want in your life. And the Word of God is your rod. It is what releases the power of God. You know, there is no... You know, we can know about the power of God. 
We can study the power of God, the authority of power of God. Or we can be like Moses at the Red Sea. God, help me. And God's saying, I give you that promise. I gave you that scripture. Speak it boldly into your situation. Declare like the herald. I know what's going on. I know what the doctor says, but I shall live and not die and, de and declare the works of the Lord. Herald it to the circumstances. Herald it and proclaim it as we proclaim it in faith boldly. That's when God's power is released. It's not a matter of just knowing it. It has to be proclaimed. You know, there's storms coming. There's storms coming because world circumstances, or there's storms coming to every life. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, there's challenges, there's heartache, there's situations coming. The person who's going to get through the storm, the Word of God clearly says, is the one who stands on this, who does it, the orders his finances and his relationships and his family according to the word. He says, when the storm comes, that guy, that woman, not going to be rocked. Not going to be rocked. How many people here in a Bible study? Everybody should be. There's lots of Bible studies in this church. Get in there and study the Word. Get in there and study the Word. Sometimes, you know, I've been in this church and, uh, you know, people will go home and they'll leave their Bible and they won't know they've left their Bible. I'm not being harsh, but you can't really live victoriously like that. I've got about 11 Bibles. And counting. And they're by the bed, they're in the living room, they're here, they're in the church, they're all over the place, and I leave them here and there. But it's because when I have spare time, I, I want to be encouraged to pick that book up. I want to be encouraged to ask God to give me a little nugget. That's amazing. You know, sometimes you can think, oh, is it really getting in? It does get in. It's like osmosis. Osmosis, the word gets in you. Is that when you have a challenge, Holy Spirit's got something to quick on, quicken, and you can declare it. God enters your battles. Amen. This book. Just don't make it another sermon. Make this something that you apply. Make this something that you say, I'm going to change my attitude to this book. I am going to change my attitude to it. Because we need to. In this day and age, we need the Word of God. Let's praise Him.